What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Aloha! I know a lot of male porn stars. I never, I never encountered a mom that even, like, grazed her hand past my dick. You can't look at somebody's toes while they're making Hello and welcome. We're back from theballerlifestyle.com. It's the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Brian Beckner. Thank you very much for joining the show. Episode 340 of the program. Very stoked to have you guys in the game, listening to us each and every week. We love your feedback. We love that you listen. Uh, If you are not already, join our subscription exclusive subscribers only shows. You get about one of those every week. You can do that at theballerlifestyle.com. There's a link at the top of the page. Click there. Also, if you would like to reach out, talk about anything we discuss here, mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com is the email address. The voicemail number is 949-464-TBLS. I am joined now, as I am each and every week, by Ed Daly. Ed, what's up? Hello. How are you? I'd like to just get to this movie. I have thoughts. Okay. Uh, we are also joined, as we are every, or as we are occasionally, by Jason Stewart, friend of the show. Jason, what's up? Hello, everybody. Signature sign on. Always good to have Jason on the scene. Um, let's. We're doing a movie this week, Valley Girl. But before we get to that, I want to knock out some, a couple, voicemails, emails. If I can find them, I had them open here a second ago. I have no, um, I have no access to the list of voicemails. No access to who. Neither talking, do I, Jason. But I will say um, that there's a ninety-eight percent chance Manny and Gardena is one of them. Um, Manuel and Gardenia. I don't know because I don't pre-listen to him. Let me see here. He's so easy to hate. Your time he likes to waste. His calls are far from great. His calls are far from great. He's such a stupid fuck. He seems down on his luck. His voicemails really suck. His voicemails really suck. No one's enjoying him. He's so annoying. Plus so fucking boring and worthless but he's got nothing else to do and he's even worse than ish 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 his thoughts are useless shit 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 he's fat and got big tit 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 tits he's manuel in gardenia one voicemail this week doesn't appear to be from manuel manuel's taking the week off little vacay for manuel he's probably too busy calling local radio shows and getting placed in their promos because you hear Manuel on the local sports talk landscape 
very often, I notice. Uh, let's check out this one voicemail. Hey, guys. I'm uh, finally getting caught up with everything, and I'm listening to the the program. And um, Brian's talking about his porn brush with fame, which he didn't name the dude's name, which I'm kind of wondering why he didn't. Uh, but anyway. I don't know, like like all male porno actors, except for like the biggies. No pun intended. You know, Pedro Del Norte, Ron Jeremy, like the the classic. I, think I only know Ron Jeremy by name. Right. I, I mean, I don't know anybody. And these days, I don't look at any professional porn. Nobody. So right. Know. Nobody knows male porn stars by name. But I know this was a black guy, and he was in a lot of pornos at the time. And all of us recognize him at the same time. So it's not that I. It's not that I want to protect the innocent here, LSU. I just don't know his. I didn't know his name. No one did. Way uh, reminded me of my first trip to Vegas, and they had a porn convention going on in our hotel, and we met uh, Jessica Drake, which I think is one of Trump's uh, uh, whatever he want to call it sex. sex ah, I can't talk sex debates or whatever the hell it was. Uh, and then we. Sh- Jason Stewart, you familiar with the work of early two thousands porn star Jessica Drake? No, I, I mean, I'm very familiar with Steve Drake. I mean, which contradicts what you just said. I know a lot of male porn stars. You, you uh, do? Circa, <laughs> late, late, circa late 80s and 90s. I I mean, I was a, uh, I was an encyclopedia for male porn stars. Uh, just ask, ask me any question. I don't know Steve Drake. I mean, that's a deep pull. It, well, I would, I would definitely uh, bing. Go into your. Go, I know go. Evan Drake, uh, the boss on Cheers for one season, played by uh, what's his name, Tom Skerritt. I didn't um, know that. But uh, yeah, uh, put an incognito. Uh, uh-huh. and then go, go, go to Bing, without the uh, with no restrictions, and just type in Steve Drake. He's probably got fifteen hundred credits. Okay, to hold on, hold on. I'm gonna. <laughs> Per, per Jason's recommendation, I'm not going to do the thing where I find Bing. I don't even know how to Bing, so I just did incognito. Steve Drake, I'm going to go to what images. Is incognito? Is there like a yeah, separate mode? Yeah. I just looked up Steve Drake. I don't. Oh. Wait, do I, I have to type? I got... Do I have to type in porn star? Steve Drake, oh, porn he, star. He's like the quintessential porn Oh, yeah. Star. Oh, my God. Mustache. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's kind of got a, um, he's like, he's like an extremely poor man's Burt Reynolds. Is he any of these Steve Drakes? Uh, I just sent to you guys. Um, these are the first four Steve Drakes that showed up in my Google image search. Um, let's see here. Hasn't come through on my end. Sometimes it takes a while for those pictures to come through. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Re- I mean, he's no um, Tom Byron or any other of the household names from the 1980s. I, and I got to be honest, you know, I don't you know, recognize this. Steel from oh, yeah. that was through Stern. Right. I don't think I know it. Who's the Who's the guy he used to have on that would that would really style it? Oh, what uh, Nick something? Yes. Nick, the, uh, the, um, I'm raining. What was his catchphrase? He had a catchphrase. Um, I'm raining droplets or something like that. Um, I, my whole thing when with Stern, I mean, I've been listening to Stern since I think fifth grade. 
But I never really liked, I never found it funny with the porn stars. I mean, when I was in seventh grade, I thought it was kind of hot, but like, who cares? Yeah. But I never found it funny. But the male porn stars, when you did stuff with them, I found it funny. Um, Yeah. Well, because they're big dummies. Um, Yeah. I I would suggest uh, Netflix or Amazon has the story of the male porn star from the 80s and 90s that had HIV and didn't tell anybody and continued to make hundreds of movies. So I remember uh, that guy. He had a ponytail. Mark Wallace. Did he? And he had a ponytail, right? Yes, a very distinctive penis. Oh, he, um, he had like a... down there, a porn star from the 80s with a ponytail. And it had a hook. He had a hook dick, right? Like a banana. Like yeah, a banana. Yeah, I remember. I remember that guy. Uh, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna watch that. That sounds like a real bummer, Jason. <laughs> it's dropping awesome. loads, is what that guy. Dropping said. loads. That's right. What I say, rain and droplets. Yeah. Uh, You're uh, well, thinking of droplets because 2020. Right, and I hate that word. By the yeah, way, yeah, terrible. it's none of these guys. I had to add porn star to my search, Ed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> none of those looked like the no, porn type. No. I just thought it was a funny group. Def- definitely you're not. Referring, you're referring to Nick Manning, by the Nick way. Man- <laughs> wow, Jason. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent knowledge. No, no, no relation, by the way. Who knows? <laughs> right. One of Archie's sons. So <laughs> he's, not, he's not Cooper's older brother? No. Okay, let's, uh, let's let LSU Lala continue here shared a cab with a playmate uh what's her name miriam gonzalez i think oh hold on well i gotta google that now miriam gonzalez miriam gonzalez remember back in the day like being a playmate was a big fucking deal they would be they would be i wouldn't say household name I don't know. This is hard, too. I don't feel like I've gotten the actual, oh, March 2001. Oh. Mm-hmm. This is very, they would, like, alternate, like, between blondes and brunettes back then. There'd be, or maybe it was, like, yeah, two, it would be, like. the soft lighting. Right. It, it would be, like, two to one blondes. Okay. This is who he shared a cab with. Everybody, everybody caught up? Everybody Googled? Uh, yeah, she kind of looks like is this, Marie uh, Osmond. Is this the, um. Uber pool? I mean, how do you share a cab with random? That's a good question. That's a good question because back then you didn't really do that. Unless it was a playmate and you're like, hey, do you want to ride to Caesars? We'll get you a ride. Um, and that was with Brian. That's the guy that you know that I know uh, through Travis. Uh, he was there. And I think he got her number, actually, but she never did answer. Wow. But Anyway, uh, for for those listening, for those that want the pop up video version of this, LSU Lala is talking about a buddy of his that was the play by play guy for UC Santa Barbara basketball. That Travis and I went to a Big West tournament game one time, and he's like, "Hey, I think you guys know my buddy Chris LSU Lala." There you go. I was just curious what uh, what porn star Brian met and. Or saw in the pool. Easy on the mat. And then swam in his filth. And then uh, what other kind of encounters you guys have had in Vegas as far as famous people? Wow. Um, I'm sure Jay Stu's got a lot of stories. I once uh, ran into Dennis Rodman and Michael Jordan gambling in Vegas, and they had a big crowd around them, and every it was really exciting. That's probably about as good as it I, gets for me. I, I told you I was in some club – at the top of somewhere 
and uh, Anthony Michael Hall, and also not together, and uh, Damon Wayans were there. Those were. That's pretty those, good. Yeah. Jay, Stu, I didn't you talk to him or anything. Jay, you. Jay used to go on those trips with to the fights and stuff until until somebody decided you were bad for their look and didn't invite you anymore. Do you have any good stories from back in the day? Anything you can share with the group? Of just like celebrities, nah. I mean, nothing nothing too uh, notable. I, I've had a lot of ce- celebrity encounters, but I do remember um, being at this trendy restaurant on La Cienega in college mm. and, and Jason Alexander in the height of Seinfeld was eating with his family. Are you, like talk, right, are you, talk, are you talking about the stinking rose? It's right next to the stinking rose. It's not, it's no longer there. Remember the one where the waiters and waitresses would get up and dance. That sounds like my worst nightmare. I don't recall. Yeah. Like right in the middle of it, they'd be like YMCA and the entire place would just be them dancing. Uh, it was like I went to one of those places in New York. Awful. It was, it was awful. Because you feel their desperation. <laughs> Awful. You know, like they they clearly want to get noticed. So you'll see people really selling out some bullshit song like YMCA. Horrible. Yeah, because they're all they're all out of work actors. Yeah, performers of some kind, and they want their break. Yeah, uh, and well, it's gonna come at the, during your dinner. Totally, they're gonna bummer. a producer's gonna notice them there. In maybe Steve Drake will sit down and offer him a part in his next movie. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, well, thank you for that, LSU. I don't, I guess, I'm not sure if that was a letdown for you or not. I don't know the porn star that I saw. He's a black guy. He was in every porn in the early 2000s. I don't know his name. Jason Stewart, name some black guys that were in the early 2000s pornos. Oh, Late man. 90s. Not, none really come to quickly to mind by name Lex Steele by far. Yeah, it wasn't him. Him I would know. Him I, I can't remember. I don't know this guy's name. It could have been one of the Mandingo brothers. Oh, oh boy. what? <laughs> There's what? brothers? Everyone knows Mandingo. There's brothers that are called that? I know of the term. I, I didn't know. That's, I mean, yeah, Google search. Is Google this like Gallagher and Gallagher 2 situation? Oh, Leo Gallagher and his brother. Yeah, Gallagher <laughs> 2. smash watermelons with their penis? Wow. Incredible. Now it might have been one of those guys. I don't know. It was it was a black guy who was in a lot of pornos in the two thousands. We all recognized him at the same time. I don't know his name. I'm sorry. Uh, LSU also, you sent me a bunch of questions for a potential uh, Ask Brian uh, Red Circle show. So I'm gonna save those. If I get enough, you ask. You put like five in here. So that's actually close to enough to do a show. Some other people have expressed interest, but haven't sent emails. So if you guys want to do a, a short, brief Q and a episode, a lot of times people hit me up in on my Instagram DMS and they have a comment or a question. And uh, I just thought it might be fun to do like a clearing house for all that stuff, because a lot of people have like little things that they like to ask about. So um, if you guys want to do that, just send an email mailbag at the and just, just put like um, ask Brian or something in the subject. And then we'll put a little show together for that. Uh, we are talking this week about a 1983. So Nick, oh, yes, Side note, just to uh, close the loop, you know, I want to close the loop on what we just talked about. Yep. So the restaurant on La Siena, uh, La Lowry's Prime yeah, Rib. It, it's right. It was right next to Lowry's too, and uh, it was called Ed DeBevix. Oh, that was a chain. And yeah, it's still it's still one in Chicago. I yeah. didn't know it's still out. It's no longer in Los Angeles. I think. 
my old roommate used to have sex with a waitress from there or she either worked there or she liked to go there because I remember him saying the name. I guarantee if she worked there, she performed Love Shack. Yeah, 100 percent. Absolutely. Is it like a 50s diner concept? It is. Yeah. They sing like they sing like regular tunes that they could dance to. So what? Um, what judge ordered you to go there or how, what kind of bet did you lose that had you ending up there, Jason Stewart? No, it was a, it was a trendy spot to go to. According to who? What trends? Do you find that in Highlights Magazine? Who's going to that thing? It was a destination spot to go to in the early nineties. Absolutely. Uh, okay. This week we're talking about the 1983, this is a movie I had not seen before until last night. The 1983 Nick Cage. I think this is his first thing he ever did. Uh, it's launched fast, fast times. He was, he was, uh, part of, uh, the crew, the no shirt, no shoes, no dice. Right. Well, that was around the same time though. 1983. Oh, this movie clearly came after because they were like, hey, what if we made Fast Times, but take out the laughs and the interesting characters? Interesting. Let's play the uh, trailer. Now on Blu-ray. Oh, drag me. How could you? For sure. Cody. Besides, it's totally gnarly birth control. <laughs> I can't stand it. Okay, so he's awesome. <laughs> Valley Girl. She's out there somewhere. This is the story of a boy from Hollywood who never dreamed the girl he'd want most was down here. Whoa. Killer soundtrack. Who invited you? Oh, wow, you mean you have to be invited? Well, that explains it. What? Well, everyone is dressed for it. See, if I had been invited, I would have known this was a costume party. Right. <laughs> it's the story of a girl from the valley who never dreamed she'd ever be seen with a boy from over here. Like I'm not getting out of this car. All right, but when they attack the car, save the radio. So when can I see you again? I'm here with you now. I know. Nick Cage is kind of a punk, but he's got a sort of a flock of seagulls haircut. They didn't really go for it. I didn't think they wanted to like not make him pretty. And the people who try to pull them apart. Like, don't you think they have parties over there? Oh, where? At the zoo? This geek that she's with could scar her for life. I'm gonna be mad Life? If you think she's confused, you should see her father. I'm together now. Be right there. Julie's cool. Randy's hot. She's from the valley. He's not. Valley girl. Um, it is interesting that they how they like paint the the difference between the valley and the Hollywood area at the time. I know Hollywood was very scary, but was the, was the valley ever like such a clean, proper place to hang out, Jason? Well, I, I think that the, it extends out now. I mean, up when you get up to Calabasas and that, that's pretty that, nice. Yeah. It's really nice. But yep. like 
they they mention like let's go cruise Van Nuys Boulevard in this one. Terrifying. And if, that, if the neighborhood's anywhere near Van Nuys Boulevard, there is nothing nice about that. Um, but yeah, I. I thought that that part of this movie was actually accurate. You know, most movies about Los Angeles take liberties with the geography. You know, you'll be in like, you'll be in Malibu driving and then 10 seconds later, you'll be like Skid Row. Like they just don't, they don't, they don't think people know or care. At the very least, this, this movie stayed true to the kind of the geography of things. I respected that. And that first panoramic shot, by the way, which in t- 2020, it would have been a great, uh, drone shot. Yeah, that was like a chopper shot or a crane it, shot. It was like a bad chopper shot. Yeah, like it was like unsteady. But I loved it just because it showed Hollywood and into the valley in the early '80s, which is just like very like uh, nostalgic for me. Yeah. I, I just like all that. Well, shit. and there wasn't shit out there. It's crazy. It's crazy to think how much uh, things have developed. Uh, valley Girl is a 1983. American teen romantic comedy film directed by Martha Coolidge. It stars Nick Cage, Deborah Foreman. I, she looked familiar. I don't know what she's what else she was in. Uh, uh, she well, never, who likes to fuck from Kill Bill? Well, yeah, my, Michael Bowen. Yeah, he's Tommy. The boyfriend was the was the pussy wagon guy from uh, Kill Bill and a whole bunch of other movies. Oh, he's been in a lot of movies. And I think what's, Tarantino put him in like four movies. Pee Wee right? Herman's girlfriend's in it, and she shows her right. boobies. Yeah. Uh, Valley Girl was released in 19, April 29th, 1983. The plot is based loosely on Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. That's interesting because you don't, you never meet Randy's family. The Montagues. Well, well, right. What's funny, what, what's funny is, is that I wrote down this note. It's funny that they bring up Romeo and Juliet because I wrote down, for those who haven't seen the movie, um, other than Romeo and Juliet and West Side Story, and about 50 other movies. It's one of the rare movies about an attractive character popular amongst her group faced with the impossible choice of their popular friends and boyfriend and the outcast from the other side of the tracks. It is it is a weird dichotomy that they that shows up a lot of movies where people's friends are like. Oh, no. If you date that person. I mean, it's not like he was in prison. It's not like he was a petty thief. It's just that oh. he lived in a d- sort of a different place that was like 15 minutes away. The, he goes to Hollywood High. Over the hill. Back. Yeah, he goes to Hollywood High with Slash. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. There was no, there was no redeeming qualities. It, he was, there was a, a little bit of charm to him, but she and her friends, they never like gave you a reason to like any of them. No. The, so, they were all kind of shitty. She was especially shitty. Yeah, she, she didn't do anything wrong, and the like the the third act hinged on whether or not she'd choose between him <laughs> and her friends. There was not like he was just a guy. Yeah, and she chose wrong. She, she chose wrong. Totally. She um yeah, I made a note. I mean, that's farther down in the movie, but I made a note about that. How he's like does all these grand gestures to get him to get her back. He didn't do anything to lose her. All he was was fucking nice to her. He was very romantic. He climbed through a window and hid in yeah, a, sh- a little problematic. Hid in a shower to meet her after he got beaten up. Right. Who knows? If somebody could have come in that bathroom and dropped anchor while he was in there, like it's the, like he took a well, real. He, he had been there quite a while. We saw a little snippet of it, 
But he, it seemed like he was he was in there for a long time. He was in there quite a while. There were people doing lines. There were people smoking weed. There were people talking about giving hand jobs. There was all sorts of things happening. And I thought he was when he finally encountered her. I thought he was very romantic. He was like, let's go. He's like, leave with me. Where do you want to go? Anywhere. What do you want to do? Anything. He just wanted to be with her. I thought he was very sweet. And he was nice. He was very nice to her. And then later in the movie, she fucks him over. And she immediately, she's also kind of fucks over Tommy, in my opinion. She, uh, Tommy, while a piece of shit, she dumped flat-footed, and then just decides, oh, I'll take him back because it, it's good for my look. It's good for my image at school. Uh, I think I think Julie is low-key the villain of this movie. She's awful. And also, she's given off, I know it's a style, and I saw a picture of her, and she's she, she was an attractive woman um, from the pictures I saw, but she's given off real mom energy. Her hair and look. So she's... Yeah, she's got a feathered, she's got a feathered haircut, which is, does look very momish, but was a style of the time. And that's, that's one thing I noticed about this movie is as you're watching it, you're like, wow, they were real over the top trying to capture the eighties vibe in this movie where every, like all the jocks have popped collars. Everybody's wearing sassoons. There's fucking sassoons as far as the eye can see. I mean, it's very. I'm sure there were some fucking Reeboks in there somewhere. It's not the most elegant movie of, of filmmaking. Yeah, but you you forget this is how people that's dressed. How that was that was just a normal. That's it looks like they're trying to capture a time that was the time. That was, they were that trying was, to capture Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It was a poor man's Fast Times. One of the the notes that I have written down was that. It looks like they're being ironic with the with costumes, with 80s costumes, but those were actual modern-day clothes and modern-day hairstyles. There was um, at least um, a dozen people in that movie that had a long sleeve button-down with a uh, sweater vest, and then they would yep. pull the long sleeves up into their bicep. Totally. Uh, that, that was a look back then. It was a look. But I thought that that was kind of like, um, I, I know Ed's going to tell us why he just hates this movie, but like, and I'm usually the guy that hates the movie, but I, I did find a charm to this. I think maybe because I have a soft spot for Los Angeles movies and that, that nostalgia. And I think it did kind of stay true to that time. If you were living during that time, the soundtrack has some incredible music. Um, and, and they really pushed it down our throats. It's, like, it was it, crazy it was almost, that they were able to curate such a soundtrack at the time. It's and, really and they stunning. Played, they played it's like a good four soundtrack. songs from beginning to end. Like they just didn't cut, you know, cut uh, 10 seconds out of songs and put them in their movie. They like played the entire. And I think that million years or whatever song. Yeah, the uh, Plimsolls. Million miles away. They played twice. Yep. Um, but no, I, I kind of like it was charming. It has uh, a lot of how about, Was it charming? That last song, Johnny, are you queer? That, that didn't hold up so well. Yeah, you can't make that today. You can't make no. that song. I mean, you you could make it. You just can't put it in a movie. Um, I didn't. I feel the same. I think I I had never seen this movie, and I just saw that it was free on Prime, and I'm like, I I hear a lot about this movie, and I I wasn't sure what to expect, and it now and looking back, I don't know what I expected, but it's a very like earnest romantic comedy. Like it's 
I don't know. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I liked, I thought Nicolas Cage is really good. Um, I thought it was a good movie. I didn't, I wasn't really into Julie or her friends, obviously. I was way into her friend's mom, Beth. Oh yeah. And I would yes. like, I would like to get into that a little bit because I didn't really get what was happening. She said, so they're having a party, right? And everybody's there and they're like low key, like sneaking booze. Which is cool. There's a lot happening. It was always a little weird to go to somebody's party when the parents were there. But the mom at one point is like, I'm Stacy's stepmom. Is that, did I catch that right? And she's like, ever since, ever since Jim died, she's been really competitive with me. But it's the other way around. The mom was definitely trying to fuck her wannabe boyfriend. And all I can ask is, where were all the fucking Beths when I was growing up? I never, I never encountered a mom that even like grazed her hand past my dick even one single time. And that's all I wanted out of life. Never happened for me. What, what was your guys take on Beth, the mom, stepmom, or can you explain that situation to me? That was the only part that I thought had the chance of being a funny scene. I mean, my, to, for the, the greater uh, view of this, the reason why I'm not into Jimmy Fallon is because his comedy on his show, like when I see oh this viral clip, I mean I haven't clicked on one of those in years, but it at first it'd be like oh this is hilarious, and it was just nostalgia. Hey, let's get the Saved by the Bell gang back together in their diner, and that's what this movie is. It's a romantic comedy where there's not any funny scenes, and half of the equation of the romance you don't like. Julie sucks. Her friends suck. So it's just like a charming Nick Cage getting dumped on for an hour and a half with some good songs. But like, if you take out the nostalgia, this movie sucks. And what, um, and what about Beth? And the, fu- the the potential funny scene with Beth w- was when the dude tried to sneak into the shower. Right. And then you're like, Oh, this could be funny if Beth walks in on her mom, her mom and this dude, but no, they, they took away the potential funny there, but they, but they flipped it and he, he was actually into the daughter or maybe he got, he got the point from his encounter with Beth that it wasn't a good idea to try to pursue the mom. Is that, it was that your takeaway, Jason? Yeah. And, and to address your question about Beth and, and her daughter, she's hotter than the daughter. Oh yeah. And she, and, and I think they're only like seven or eight years apart. I mean, they're the, the actress at the time. And I remember her from the outsider. She was cherry, cherry Vance's uh friend. Unbelievable. She, she, she's like 23 in real life. And I think the mother was like 29. Right. They and look then, the same age. And, and then the, uh, the main, character's mother the you know the main woman character's mother Julie. again she was about six years older than her and she was her actual biological mother in the movie it was just a strange kind of weird yeah of adults in high school and and this wasn't really this wasn't a typical high school movie and that they didn't have that um that requisite like montage over a popular song with a bunch of stupid things that happen in high schools. Yeah. Like you almost never saw the high schools until the prom. And then you realize these people are all juniors. They're, they're right. well into their twenties. I, w- I, th- I wonder if that was a thing that they would do because they're like making them have adult interactions. And it would be weird if they had like actual 17 year olds. I mean, they, 
you know, they couldn't really do that. So the, the fact that they're in high school is kind of incidental and they don't really talk about being in high school. They're not, they're rarely at high school. And I just wonder if that is, that's a choice to make it, to make them seem more adult. And, and I do, I mean, I'll agree with, uh, with Ed's point that this is no fast times and fast times came out a year before that. And like any high school movie in the eighties, you compare it to fast times. And that's just not a fair comparison. Cause that that's by far the best, but I just but I think, think this was inspired by it. Like they open up with the montage at the uh, the I, mall and the food court. Like they were tr- they were I, trying to chase that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm definitely not. Um, not disputing that. I think. I think they had they had a better soundtrack, and I think. Soundtrack. I think that the valley the valley girl was a thing back then. Like, who had the song Valley Girl? Was it Frank Zappa or Yep, whatever? And Moon like, unit. Like gag me with a spoon and stuff. That was like a thing, and I think that. The country, like, you know, that was everywhere. They knew the valley. Yeah. But it is kind of weird because this movie's known for that vernacular, but now it's like so commonplace or it's just been so long that you hear them talk like that and it's not a big deal. You're not like, oh my God, they're talking so weird. It's just like how people talk. It's interesting how some caught on, but like others. Grody to the max. If somebody said that today, you'd right. have them sent right. to the hospital. Gag me with the spoon. But some, but some things are just mainstream. Yeah. Like some things really caught on and some didn't. Right. Uh, I did want to point out my favorite spotting of the cast is Julie's dad is chef from Apocalypse Now. Hey, Captain, I want to go get some mangoes. Right. I knew that I'm guy looked. I knew that oh, guy looked familiar. Fucking cook. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he was he was kind of creeping. He he basically was like, "Hey Julie, I want to fuck your friend." They they seemed kind of like out of they seemed like they came from a different movie. It was very they had like a John Waters vibe to them. What was the uh what was the teenage movie we did? Uh it, it was it Can't Buy Me Love or something where um where the the stepdad or the father was like, man, if I was twenty, if I was twenty years younger, I think they had the exact same line in this one. Yeah, and that's such a, that's such a pedophile line to put into a movie. Like, there's no way in hell you could ever put that line in a movie now. Could man, never if I was say 20 that. Twenty years younger, I'd be all over your friend. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, there's one. There's one. So when we first encounter Nicolas Cage, he's at the beach, and he's just gotten out of the ocean, and he's like in some kind of like dolphin shorts, running shorts. And he's got them hiked up pretty high. And it appears that his bag is on one side of the seam and his dong is on the other side of the seam. You get a nice good look. Ed Daly, I assume you paused and zoomed in on that point in the movie. It was pretty early. Yeah, I I, I didn't. I actually didn't check it out. Mm. I was, uh, but I, I thought he looked pretty good. Oh, yeah, he had. I was. Oh yeah. He, he's a fit dude. Um, you know, he's a young, this is before the cocaine and champagne had their way with him. Also, he's got a really nice chest patch and I couldn't tell at first. I thought he might have been juicing the chest patch to just kind of give him a little more manliness that it could have been a, a glue on rug system, much like the time 25 years ago, I went as Thomas Magnum for, Halloween, I had to get a fake chest patch to, to juice my own. But what I realized is I think he had manicured it. Did you guys take yeah. a minute to check out the chest patch? He almost had it shaved into a heart shape. That was on purpose, right? No doubt. I didn't think so, but the, I will have to revisit. 
He had it shaved to where uh, it would stick out in those like those collared shirts that you could yeah. make the hair sticks out, and right. that's the only thing that showed. So you have to like use your imagination for what the hair looks like underneath. Uh, but that scene did introduce like like maybe the best character in the movie, very underrated. I think he had the best lines in the movie for sure, and he's got the the most badass name in the movie, and that's Cameron Die, which is Cage's buddy. Fred who initially, in, initially finds out about um, initially finds out about the party because he overhears the two girls talking about it in the concession line. That's that's a weird flex, right? Where you're like, I'm just going to show up to some party of people that I don't know. And then you show you think maybe it's going to be like a backyard kegger. And you're like, OK, I'll just mix in like no one's going to know. I don't know anybody. And then you realize it's a fucking in the house thing with everybody from the same high school. And you just fucking cruise right in and you're like completely out of place. A hundred percent. That's a weird and ballsy play that I probably would never have tried in high school. And think about this, that uh, nowadays, like. Somehow they got the address, and I forget how. He overheard it, I guess. Um, nowadays, you, you put that in the GPS, and you're good. But think about the undertaking that it is in 1983 to crash a party in the residential part of the valley from Hollywood. Like, you have to get the Thomas Guide out. Totally. You have, you have maps. Like, there's yeah. there, that's quite an undertaking to get to a specific residence, something that nobody in this generation could ever even fathom. No. Like, what's the problem? impossible you got you're like e6 turn to page 149 and you flip the page and you're like okay now i'm in this quadrant oh shit i gotta go to another page very confusing you're stopping to pull over quite a few times it was a, a, a big undertaking to have to go to a different city which is why we practically never did it uh i i just uh, pulled up the scene you were talking about of him getting out of the ocean. It does look manicured. It's yeah. nobody's chest hairs like that. Right. It's like he was a young, you know, he's probably like 19, 20 at the time. And it's, you know, he's grow. He's obviously a guy that grows a nice patch, but it was a little early on the patch. And it seems like he shaped it up a little bit to style himself. What about the dong, Ed? Give us, give us a review of his package. How's that looking? That looks pretty. It looks pretty good. Decently girthy. I mean, he he's not wearing he's 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 got like a immediately he gets a towel draped over. Yeah. But it 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 could be serious. But the shorts are pretty high. Yeah, he's I mean, peacocking it. He clear that's he, that was clearly a choice. Go, yeah, there's gonna have to be Cinnabon situation, or it's gonna hang out. Right. He's got let it me rolled up. This. Let me ask you this. Uh, and by the way, I just looked it up. Nick Cage had not turned 20 yet. He was like 18 when the movie was shot. Yeah. That's that's by far. Yeah, he I think looked the older. There. He looked like an older man when he was a teenager. Yeah. 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 And like if, what uh, if you had to guess, Brian, what beach do you think that was? What what beach would be like between the valley and in uh, Hollywood? So, well, I mean, if you're the obvious choice is Malibu, but that looked like Santa Monica to me. Yeah, it looked a little bit uh, too. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, what do you call it? Dirtier than than a Malibu. And I believe you could see the Palisades in the background at one point. Yeah, maybe. It was, yeah, I think it was Santa Monica. Yeah, I think. Yeah, right. it looks like Santa Monica. Yep. Um, nice little, nice little visit from Les Nessman. Oh, the driving as the driving teacher, Les Nessman, from WKRP. 
This movie didn't have many slapstick, stupid comedy moments like a lot of those 80s high school yeah. movies did. That was one of them. That, them driving around in a ridiculous circle with the background obviously fake. They're in some kind of like, you know, car that had uh, scenery in the background. Yeah. And then he just dove out of the car when it was too much for him. Well, how could that be the system of driver's ed where every every car is one inch from the car? They're like, hey, let's this. I've been getting into F1. And so somebody in our audience explained this to me in F1, when they go out to qualify, they all go out at the same time. So like in, in NASCAR or, or IndyCar racing, they just go out, they, you go out and you do your fastest lap and that's your qualifying in, in F1, they're all out there together. They just like, they like stagger them out apart. So there's got like, you're like not, they're not passing, but there's all the cars are on the track together. How are you going to have 16 year old girls trying to get their license and there's 37 cars in a parking lot all following each each other around the same set of cones that's insane would never happen (laughs) but i but the thing is it wasn't cones it literally was unless i was mistaken it looked like she was doing donuts if you kind of look at what she was doing first of all they were did they did the test with friends in the back seat that she was turning around and talking to, and she was doing donuts. That Didn't was the they do yeah. that in uh, when we did summer school. Weren't there weren't people in the back seat as well? Yeah, there were people in the back seat, but at least they went on the road, which is what yeah. you do yeah. when you go get your license. You don't you don't drive all together in a parking lot. Um, the dad, the parents own a health food restaurant, which I remember being a very or it's like a health food store where they'll make you a sandwich. I remember that was very much a thing in the 80s. There was one of those in every town with some fucking dirty hippies selling wheatgrass (laughs) shots. Yes. And terrible always. But it is kind of weird where she's like, this food is disgusting. It's supposed to be good for you. It tastes like nothing. And I'm like, well, this is just that's just a nice salad. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that food. It's weird that like carrots and kale and very healthy things were considered disgusting at the time. The more disgusting thing is that the dad is working, running the restaurant. Without shoes. And the fucking guy's wearing sandals. Yeah, that's unacceptable. Do you think? You can't look at somebody's toes while they're making food. Sandals that he bought at Woodstock that are falling apart. His greasy, disgusting sandals. And he's... He's the proprietor of the place. It's not like he's a fucking busboy. It's not like he's he's Blue Lou from from the Blues Brothers. He owns the joint and his dirty feet are out there. I just came back from Vietnam. That's true. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. And think about it. Think about like I understand screenplay writers have to have to do some kind of dialogue to get information you know they just can't it's called exposition so you know that you're an actor i understand that they had to work the fact in that he was a he went to woodstock as a hippie uh but that him breaking his shoe had zero to do with the plot right that zero to do with the scene it was a weird way to get him to say that he went to woodstock right and the March on Washington. He bought his earth shoes for the March on Washington, which were very much of that time as well. And he gives terrible advice. He's 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 a very sweet dad in that he talks about her listening to her heart yep. and do this and that. And then he's like, but if your friends tell uh, tell you this guy's a, an asshole, go be with uh, Buck who likes to fuck. Like yep. he, he 
He won't help her out. Yeah, that was yeah, that wasn't um, a great father daughter interaction. Um, I they do at one point they do a montage of the valley, so there's like Dupars and Casa Vega, but I did notice they also flashed to a Winchell's donut sign on their valley tour, which begs the question. Is that the same Winchell's where Buck Swope's fortunes changed? Do we have a little crossover in the in the Valley movie world? Is that where is is that where Buck Swope found his fortune? It was around the same time. Yes, right. Right. Very much. Right. Because 1980 had come and gone. Uh, She was pregnant. Yeah, it was probably the exact same Winchell's. Um. Yeah. That that was interesting. By the way. Fred, the buddy. Um, Cameron die, Cameron die. He, he was terrifying though. He was a good <laughs> friend, but when he's chasing, when they go on that Awful. initial double date, a little rapey he's chasing her, he's rapey. Uh, he's a little creepy uh, looking. I saw, uh, I looked him up. He, he has a child with Laura San Giacomo. Oh, um, got some I, of that. I don't know if he was married or not, but, uh, but yeah, he, he worked. He, but he kind of looks like the friend in Weird Science. I mean, uh, he, yeah, no, Weird Science. I think he is the friend in Weird Science. I, I looked it up. And, I don't think he was I, the guy, but he looks like. The female lead. No, not Weird Science. The female lead was in Real Genius. Right. Yeah, I looked her up. And I think he was in Real Genius, too, because the same writer or same director or something. Well, Real Genius, she was the, the daughter of the the head of the something and she was the one who asked him if if Val Kilmer if he could hammer a six inch six inch spike through a board with his penis and he goes <laughs> not right now <laughs> <laughs> but this, but that scene that, that we're talking about with Fred uh chasing around uh the friend around the car if anyone's ever been uh to Disneyland who laid off 28,000 people today um if anyone's ever been to, to Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland, of course. and you see, you see the pirates, before they became politically correct and reversed roles, they had pirates uh, chasing around yep. maidens in, yep. order to, in order to rape them. Well, that, that's implied. That's implied. He chased her around probably 50 circles around the car, and then they would go to them making out in the car, but it, it was just strange. She, but I do like that it was on Mulholland. That's kind of a badass. She was, um, she was the bummer friend, and yeah. bummer friend is a personality type. We've all known this person. Like, you can, and I get it. He was chasing around a little bit, but he was harmless. You can you can play wingman, you know. You can have I mean, a. Sh- he's a good wingman in the yeah. end. Yeah. He he saves the day. No, he's a good wingman. It's her friend that just can't. She's like, I'm not. She's complaining the whole time in the car. Like they're driving through Hollywood. Like they know people in Hollywood. Like it's it would be kind of an exciting evening to, to step out of your comfort zone and like see something a little bit different. They're being nice enough guys. Yeah, Fred's a little creepy. He's got only the front of his hair dyed he's red. A lot creepy. Yeah. He's a lot creepy, but yeah, go with it a little bit. Right. Uh, just you know just who's a let bad it run. Dotty from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, yeah. Dotty makes out with Tommy and lets him like feel immediately. her up. Yeah. Immediately. She, it was she's implied like, I want to be with have, fuck who likes to fuck. Yeah. I was going to say, did, were they implying that they did have sex or they did not? They didn't. She went right to being topless. No, and she's like, does this mean we're going together? And immediately he loses his erection. Puts on the brakes. Right, like all men. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody needs to know about this. Right. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, will say, yeah. I will say this. So as you brought up um, his romantic line in, the, in, in the, the bathroom and the way he talked to her was like, she's like, where will we go? He's like, anywhere. I just want to be with you. As long as you're there, uh, I'm there. And uh, so he had he had the great romantic lines. Um, and that would be good if, if he didn't, for the next uh, 20 minutes of the movie, spend it ignoring her and just like completely being aloof and then waving to buddies on the streets of Hollywood Boulevard. Um, and then when they get into the club um, with, with the cool music, he spends most of that time ignoring her there watching the, like he didn't really back up his words with actions. In other words, there wasn't a whole lot in that initial scene of them being together. There wasn't a whole lot of, uh, of attention from him. And maybe that was the game. Maybe the aloof thing, the, uh, hard to get thing, you know, Hollywood outcast thing. Maybe he was playing that character, but I did find it interesting that his actions didn't back up his words in that regard. It was also interesting that her, the hippie parents were like, go out, live your life and real mixed messages because then Julie gets home and the parents have yeah. waited up all night. The dad's smoking cigarettes, which he's ashing into an abalone shell. Like if you're going back and you're making a movie about the 80s, obviously you're going to have the dad ashing his cigarette into an abalone shell. But in the 80s, you didn't know that the abalone shell ashtray would be such a fucking iconic item that you would need to include it at the time. That's true. That's true. Uh, but, almost, yeah. I almost forgot about it. Yeah, that's it's weird that they're sending mixed messages because they're like, come back on Tuesday. Like, we got to let you live your life. Go out and yeah. fuck. Like, you know, be free. And then she comes home and they're all pissed off at her. Yeah, and I will say this too. Um, there was a scene at the, at the party where uh, the jock uh, boyfriend, one review, and it may have been uh, Roger Ebor. I don't know. It was it was just a review written on the 30th anniversary. Um, called the boyfriend Michael Bowen prerequisite asshole boyfriend, which I thought was a great description. Um, so he he uh, he sees Nick Cage hitting on his girl at the party. Yeah, and yeah. he walks up to him, cold cocks yep. him. And then has his boys hold him down and he punches him in the stomach. Yep. And this guy has the balls later on in the movie to be like, do you want me to kick your ass again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like cold cock and have your buddies hold him down. Right. That was oh, you know enough. who he also was? He was the Nazi uncle in Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Yep. He was, he was real bad. Right. I do remember that. Todd's uncle. Todd's Ed, uncle. Ed, yeah, Daly, yeah. Ed Daly's uncle. Um, oh, what else? So at one point we, we already kind of alluded to that skip is the, um, grocery boy that kind of has the chance to fuck the mom and which is a turn. I'm upset. This movie didn't take, but he, at one point he cruises up on his 10 speed with the handlebars turned up and he's like, Hey, I'm just going to stop by. Not only does he stop by fucking guy just lets himself in the house and not only does he just let himself in the house he fucking goes upstairs and not only does he go upstairs he goes in a bedroom and in a bathroom where somebody's taking a shower luckily it works out for him i don't know that that's ever worked out i know things were a little different in 1983 i know that you know maybe the cops wouldn't be involved i know that you know there wasn't as much empowerment back then whatever 
But then later in the movie, Randy, Nick Cage, he fucking stops by Julie's house and it's like 10 o'clock at night. He knocks on the door and she's like, hey, what are you doing here? This is when she's decided to be a bitch to him and get back with Tommy, which which is at this point, Randy should have watched like he's running around Hollywood. He's fucking chicks in the bathroom like he's got game. But no, he's smitten. He stops by. She's like, I'm about to go to bed. What was going on in the 1980s? I get we didn't have cell phones. There was no texting. This I understand. What was up with all this stopping by? Who just shows up at yeah, somebody's house? Poppins. Yeah, that was no. never allowed. No, that was a thing. Of though. course I, it was, because when you would hear the doorbell, thing. if you hear a doorbell or a knocking now, it's kind of terrifying. Like, what does somebody want? But it used to be that's that's what people did. Wow. Think about it. Think hard. about it. Yeah. <laughs> If you you were calling on someone's landline, and yeah. if they had a little bit of money, they had an answering machine. But right. most people, so you're sitting there waiting for someone to pick up a landline. They're not answering. Maybe you even get a busy signal because the the little sister's on the phone, and you it's just busy. There's no other thing to do than to just drive to their place. Like that was a thing. Um, I don't. I I just I'm just fascinated that that he was able to get around the way he did and had the sense of direction to do it. And it just made me remember that nobody has sense of direction anymore. This movie reminded me that people actually went places and got places without a, uh, without a GPS. I don't know why that, 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 that's so, uh, I guess, fascinating to me. It is kind of crazy. And I, I drive to the Valley a lot these days. And I GPS it, obviously. I use the Google Maps mostly to get me there. But now that I've driven that drive so many times, I can do it without the... And it's like five different freeways. It's like several freeways. It's side streets. It's a whole thing. I know the shortcuts. I know if there's going to be traffic here to go this way. I know the ways to go. But I was thinking to myself the other day, there's very few places I know how to get anymore because... You don't have to do that. You've we've lost our sense of direction because we never have to use it anymore. We're always being given directions by little machines, little computers in our pockets. And you uh, you had a you had a Rolodex in your mind of people's phone numbers. And Crazy. I, I, I could tell you one person's phone number. But anyways, I hate being like the old guys telling people to go off their line. So I, I will say this. You mentioned the montage, how they go through. You know, they show all the valley sites and then they show uh, Cage and her kind of being lovey-dovey. And this is when they introduced the world to I Melt With You by Modern English. Yeah. Now, at that time, obviously, it, it was introduced to the world and it became an amazing song. Um, K-Rock played it a lot. We've And then everybody since then has been played it in a nostalgic way. It's in commercials. Um I need to point out one thing about that song because everyone's heard it 10,000 times and they probably just just sing this lyric without even thinking about it. But the second line to the, to the entire song is always kind of uh, has always been frustrating to me. So if you remember the line, it starts off moving forward using all my breath, breath, right? That's mm-hmm. fine. The second line is making love to you was never second best. That's right. Now, now, first of all, best doesn't rhyme with breath. Mm. Or it's not, at the very least, it doesn't. It, it's not spelled the same. But it rhymes in the middle. I, but if but if you're trying to pay a compliment, 
Yeah. I know they had to get a, a, they had to fit something in there that kind of rhymed with breath, and then they they chose best. But if you're if you're never second best, that leaves you a lot of wiggle room. Like obviously you're you could be number one, but you yeah. could also be three three three. three. Oh, 50. There's a lot. There's a lot of wiggle room there. Never second best. I get it. I get it. I think the implication is, though, that you would be above second. But I get what you're saying. He's semantically, if she's ever like, oh, hold up. You said I was never second best. He could be like, well, that's true. But I never said you were first best. It reminds me of my most confusing line of an 80s song, All By Myself by Eric Carmody. He's talking about the way it used to be. And he said, back when... Making love was just for fun. Well, what's he up to now? Is he a right. gigolo? He what's he doing? He's a rapist. <laughs> making yeah, making love for money. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. Unbelievable. Um, okay, a couple more. Oh, one thing that freaked me out. At one point, they showed uh, Julie going to sleep, and I think it was after. Oh, that doll. Yes, she go. She goes to bed, and she sleeps with a terrifying clown. <laughs> baby doll and it appears to be like one of those porcelain dolls so i don't i don't know about you guys but i occasionally roll over in my sleep imagine rolling over on that face and having it shatter into your ribs slivers of porcelain in your ribs you might have to go to the hospital how scary was that what do you guys think of the doll it stuck it sticks out for sure like that's weird that's that's an ugly ass doll yeah. But it must have had some meaning to the director or something. Why would that – there was no reason for that to be in the movie. It was a little weird. Yeah, it was uh, – because you could have got any doll. Like dolls were considered scary back then too, right? And clowns. It was a clown doll. It yeah. would be it would be a simple prop in a scene if it was just like a, a stuffed dog. But th- they made it so that that doll stole the scene. It was so off-putting. So there must have been a reason why they did yeah, it. I just have no idea why. Yeah, it had to be like a behind the scenes thing. Um, and I know we've talked about this, but Nick Cage, he's Randy. He's the hero of the movie. He uh, she dumps him basically for no reason. She basically does the whole you're not good enough for me thing. I'm going to go back with Tommy, who's a real douche. I liked his line when she dumped him. What do you say? He goes, fuck off. For sure. Like, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, then, But then he makes all these grand gestures. I mean, it's a little stalkery, but he, like, shows up and he's taking tickets at the movies. He's he's the car hop. He's serving the food. Uh, by the way, yeah. they, I think I think the director or the writer wanted us to believe that he, he was incognito, that simply putting sunglasses on would would make him unidentifiable to the boyfriend that has already kicked it's his great. ass. It's great. Yeah, yeah. In both. very noticeable sunglasses. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. In in both, like one, he has he just has 3D movies in, and Tommy's like, is this is this movie in 3D? And he's like, no, but you are, and like pushed him or something. Like what? That was a weird. You'd be like, what is wrong with this fucking ticket taker? Can I speak to the manager, please? What what was that? And then. It, then he's got like um, Hunter S. Thompson, like serial killer, like shooting glasses on when he's the car hop. It's very clear. It's he's not hiding his <laughs> face at all. He's uh, it's obvious who he is. There's no confusion that this is Randy, your rival. Very confusing. 
And then he sleeps in a tent outside her. No, he her doesn't. Window. He doesn't sleep in a tent. He sleeps on the fucking lawn in a in a sleeping bag. Oh, that's right. But I mean, it was very like we've seen that before. Kuzak did that yeah. uh, six years later. I'll tell you right now. There's no woman's worth sleeping outside. <laughs> just all there is to it. Like this is there's just certain things I won't do. Like I'll do pretty much anything unless it involves sleeping outside and or attending a live performance of Hamilton. When you say there's pretty much nothing I could do, would you stop the world and melt with you? I would if I could, because that's about that's about coming. Like I would do that. I definitely would ejaculate with you and I would and I would try to make you have an orgasm as well. So in that sense, yes, I would definitely do that. Um, okay, some some details. The club scenes where Randy takes Julie were filmed at a Sunset Strip club originally named Filthy McNasties. <laughs> That's a great name. Yes. Oh, later became the what? Anyone? The Roxy. Viper Room. Oh, River Phoenix. Yes. Yeah. Where River Phoenix infamously died on Halloween 1993. Nicholas Cage had a real-life crush on co-star Debra Foreman. He later admitted in an interview, I just adored Debra, so there was very little acting on my part. I mean, he got her. Cage would write her poetry on set, and one poem was titled American Girl, which Foreman still has to this day. This is the first movie where he was billed as Nicholas Cage. Ed, you'll like this one. The script was written in 10 days. Uh, when Randy, Nicholas Cage, and Fred are what did they do with the nine and a half days? Then? <laughs> are in the hills overlooking the valley. Randy takes a wowie whistle from his shirt pocket. Wowie whistles were novelty. Har- I was wondering what that was. What the hell was that? Were novelty harmonicas made from orange chewing wax and were popular how- Halloween treats during the nineteen seventies and early. Vaguely remember that. That's like yeah. fucking getting raisins, dude. Some chewable. Wa- remember wax yeah. lips? That shit just went right back on the roof. What are you going to do with that? You got raisins. Yes. You did the old Gone. Kareem hookshot onto Gone. the roof. Gone. <laughs> I, I actually kind of enjoyed getting when you'd go to like a dentist's house and he would give you a, a toothbrush. Did you guys ever have that? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like oh, that because yeah. I'm like, I could use another toothbrush. You, know, you can always use one for for an away trip. Yeah, just to have a spare. Yeah, when I go spend the night at one of my friends' house or something, I got an extra toothbrush and don't have to worry if I forget it. Give uh, out some pennies. It was but, oh, but worse. Yeah. Those got thrown back at you. But you have to admit, at, you know, Dennis, they generally make pretty good money, and t- giving away free samples is really kind of a cheap move if they have the cash. Yeah, it's true. Like Full size Snickers. That's true. Because dentists are usually doing pretty well. They're do- the dentists are doing a lot of upcharging. you got to watch out for those guys. Uh, in the making of documentary on the 20th anniversary DVD, which I'm sure Ed has, Elizabeth Daly, no relation, admitted that she had no idea how to talk like a valley girl. I feel like that's something you could have studied for five minutes, but when you got the job. <laughs> to cover this up, she decided that her character Lauren would not actually be from the valley, valley but from nearby Malibu instead. Wow, that's pretty lazy. Big, big I, difference. I guess when they're like, when she's like, look, guys, I don't know how to say for sure and like a lot, so I'm just going to, what yeah, if I show my not. tits? And, and, yes. and the producers are like, actually, that's a really good idea. Get them out. You know what's kind of sad about Dottie is I, I remember it was only a couple of years ago. Michelle called me into the room. Uh, it was either on, 
I think it was The Voice or one of those kind of shows. She was trying to make it as a singer, like like two Ooh. years ago. Oh, really? She's got to be in her fifties. Yeah, but, it was it was weird. She's like, "Do you recognize her?" And I was like, "That's Dottie." Yeah, Dottie. She looked great, but and she had a nice voice. But come on, it, it's not going to happen for you. If, if By the way, 58. the last yeah, last time I checked, right? Last time I checked, if. If uh, if an actress told the movie makers that she she doesn't know, quite know how to get the accent down, I think there's like ten thousand women they could probably hire. Like if if Meryl Streep went to her director and said, "I can't quite do a Polish Jew for this part," I think they would just replace her with somebody who can. Like why was this actress so important that they they changed the character to be from somewhere else? I think Brian was right. She she, she she got him out to, give, to, to get him out. <laughs> she got she got those suckers out. Speak <laughs> speaking of speaking of movie accents, Jason Stewart. Maybe you could speak to this movie accent from the Fantastic Lifetime movie. Everything she ever wanted. Of course, this movie stars. Our friend Jason Stewart and his co-star Gina Gershon. She's walking into a strip club right now. She's looking very pensive. She walks up to the bar. Jay Stew's got a boiler. Oh, hold on. I, t- I talked over line. I tried to hit the post. Excuse me, I'm looking for Debbie. She your friend. She's my daughter. You want to do a mother-daughter routine? Name your pride. If you could just show me where she is, please. Wow. Jay Stu, really like one of your finest moments, the head nod where you nod like over to where Debbie might be hanging out. Fantastic performance as always, as all of your lifetime and of course USA movie performances are. Think about what went into the head nod and that was that was an improvisational one. And the head nod... The head nod was the to the guard in front of the uh, the champagne room. It was yeah. it was the let her in oh. head nod, like sh- she's good. She was in there giving HJs, is what right. you're saying, right? Oh, got yeah, you. Amazing. Uh, this is one of Kevin Smith's favorite movies of all time. In fact, when Kevin Smith's wife Jennifer Schwalbach Smith, go ahead and lose the Schwalbach, uh, please. The grossest tweet of all time. Went into labor. Valley Girl was taken with them to the hospital to watch while going through labor. Uh, the producers of I know this is one of Tarantino's favorites. Is it? Uh, the producers of this film approached Frank Zappa about making a film based on his hit single Valley Girl, but he refused, leading the producers to make the film without his involvement. Zappa sued, but no lost song. the case. Yeah. Yeah, obviously they didn't play a song. Yeah. Uh, oh, I saw this. When Randy and Julie first enter the music scene, music club, the upcoming gigs list advertises the Plimsolls who appear in the same scene and Katie Seagal, Peg Bundy. Mm. Oh. Um, what else? Oh. I read yeah. in the credits uh, just one of the guys. She, was, she must have been one of the party goers. Yeah. Heiser. Right. 
Um, when Lee Purcell, the beautiful stepmom, says plastics to Skip, it's a reference to The Graduate about a younger man's affair with an older woman fantasy. She's obviously throwing him a hint that she's trying to seduce him, like in that movie, which he, loser, obviously isn't familiar with. Uh, Julie's parents are played by Colleen Camp and Frederick Forrest. The two also appear together in Apocalypse Now. Where Forrest was a soldier and Camp, who was friends in real life with Playboy Playmate Dorothy Stratton, was a playmate sent to entertain the troops. Didn't Chef get decapitated at the end of that movie? (sighs) Yes. Is, uh, is, is there a connection between Nick Cage and those two actors, given the fact that his uncle good, directed Apocalypse? Good point. Good point. Uh, one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite romantic movies. Despite being a movie partially about punk rock, there is no punk rock on the movie soundtrack. Just new wave post-punk music. Oh, here you go. And this is upgrade. Michelle Pfeiffer was originally considered for the role of Julie. Oof, that would have been a big upgrade. Yeah, I see, I, see, I see that for sure. Yeah. Uh, director Martha Coolidge was required by the film's producers to show female breasts at least four <laughs> times. They felt it would make the movie more appealing to younger males and guys in their mid 40s. Check. Uh, the iconic poster image still used on the DVD and Blu ray artwork of Nick, Randy, Nicolas Cage, and Julie is not Deborah Foreman, but the actress Tina Thaberge, household the- name, who wound up playing Randy's nightclub lover before Foreman was cast. Interesting. Wait, wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. I, I was looking at the cover and saying, that doesn't look a thing like yeah, her. You nailed it. He's not dressed or look a thing like what he's dressed in, right. in the movie. Right. It's almost like they went like five years ahead of time and got two different people. So you're telling me, that the 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 poster for this movie does not include the female lead. It's that random chick yep. he had sex with. That he bangs in the in the bathroom. Oh, How and there was there were some that? really gross, uh, loud kissing noises in that scene. It was too much. Mm. Too much of that. Yeah, like, like just gross sounds. Um, the movie was produced before Nicolas Cage got his teeth fixed. I'm sure we all noticed that he had little tiny spaced out chiclets. He should have kept that look. By the way, that looks uh-huh. it's much more distinctive than the big fake veneers he ended up with. Sure. Um, after Julie and Tommy are dropped off at the prom and Randy and Fred look at the car and chauffeur, the chauffeur is reading a copy of Variety with a full page ad on the back for Paul Bartel's Eating Raul, which came out a year earlier. Who cares? <laughs> uh, That's some good Oh, uh, while cruising down Hollywood Boulevard, there's an Empire Strikes Back advertisement. What up, nerds? Released in 1980 and released in 1982 and 1983. What's that mean? It was came out three times. Oh, back then. That's what they did. They used to just. Yeah, I mean, they would probably uh, had like Snow White come out. Right. They didn't have enough content back then. Well, because that makes sense, because I remember seeing Star Wars in the theater, but it came out when, in 77 yeah. or 78. Yeah, me too. I, I didn't okay. know when that I makes sense. One. That makes sense. Uh, and that was the, uh, I want to say that was the Man's Chinese Theater that they drove by. And I think that that was, and I think still is, like a movie house that they don't necessarily play modern movies as much as they play like popular movies. Right. Uh, much like the, Cinerama Dome. 
Frederick Forrest leaves the lens cap on when he takes Julie's prom picture. Dennis Hopper did the same thing in Apocalypse Now, which Forrest also co-starred in four <laughs> years earlier. How about that? How about that? Interesting. Uh, song playing when Randy and Fred enter the house party is called Fantastic or Fanatic. Can't read. By Felony, uncredited on the soundtrack for one reason or another. Interesting. In the dating montage scene, Randy and Julie share a long, deep kiss in front of the marquee for the movie Romeo and Juliet. Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet. We had to watch that in uh, ninth grade English. One of the inspirations for this tale of star-crossed lovers. They show one boob in that movie, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, Randy and Fred. Okay, that's enough. The, Dupar, the so, du, Dupar's restaurant where the girls frequent and where Julie Richmond and Randy have their first date was filmed only a quarter mile from a scene from a scene in the Fast Times at Ridgemont High where Brad Hamilton is making a delivery in a pirate costume. Oh, Captain Hook Fish and Chips. Right. Um, what else? You guys want to know? Let's let's talk about how much money this made. How much do you couldn't couldn't have cost much to shoot. Right. There's no names in it. There's no expensive locations. There's no special effects. And the and the music, the the rights to that music, like that was not popular music. No. That was like, you know, new wave K-Rock music. Totally. Totally. The uh let's see here. It the, couldn't have been it, it couldn't have cost more than like four four million bucks. Budget. Ed Daly, do you have a guess? I, I I'm gonna say Back then, I don't know. Film must have, I, I don't know. It had to be like $4 million, $3 million. $350,000 this movie was made for. Holy shit. Cumulative gross, nearly $18 million. Rotten Tomatoes. Any guesses at Daily? I, I don't know how someone could like this movie. The soundtrack is good. You know, they throw in... I'll melt with you, Electric Avenue, but I, I, I gotta think it's in the low teens. Jason Stewart. I, I mean, I read a review by Roger Ebert, and he loved it. He was effusive in in his praise. I know that it's a huge cult movie. I know that my best friend's sister, growing up, watched it like ten times a week. I'm probably gonna say audience score is is higher than the critics. I'll go uh, like 68 audience. 58 critic Roger Ebert said this movie is a little treasure a funny sexing sexy dude I cannot read appealing story of a valley girl's heartbreaking decision should she stick with her boring jock boyfriend or take a chance on a punk from Hollywood I don't really agree with Roger there although I did like the movie uh with the critics tomato meter certified fresh 83 percent Shit. Slightly lower with the audience, 72%. Very popular classic oh, yeah. movie. Um, loved yeah, by many. Very high. That's very high. That's I very high. Even even good movies are in the like, 60s. Uh, a foreign thing to people. I just, if you think about the story, we've talked about it. It's Romeo and Juliet without the drama of his family and his, it's, and half the people are, or not half the people, most of the people are not likable at all. I, do, I don't get it. I don't get the appeal of this movie. The, um, Aside from nostalgia. I wonder if they shot stuff with his family. They had to have. 
they shot stuff with his family and it just didn't just didn't make it into the movie. And I think, too, like looking back at it now, there's a lot of like really like uh, clumsy things, dated, obviously dated things and everything. But I think at the time at when they came out, I think if you compare that to like Porky's and a couple of those really oh, come bad yeah. teen movies. Yeah, I think that I think that it was kind of like a, a, a more in, intelligent, like more nuanced teen movie because it wasn't real high on the comedy. This is no. this was like a romantic movie with some funny scenes. Yes. And those other ones were like comedies making fun of high school people. I didn't know what to expect. I thought it would be more of a farcical, like big gags type of movie, right. like more like hanging out at the mall, like being ridiculous. And it is a very like earnest sort of sweet movie. I, I actually did kind of enjoy it. It got a little slow through the middle, which is pretty common for back then. Um, but overall I was a fan. I liked it. I was, I was actually sitting there watching it going, I'm enjoying watching this movie. I don't, wouldn't have expected that I would, but, um, I liked it very much. By the way, uh, yes. a, a shout out to the psych furs. One of my favorite bands from that, from that era. Yeah. Um, I saw them in a, um, there was a, Remember Richard Blade put on a bunch of these oh, yeah. like way bitchin' eighties yes. bands or whatever. And Psych Furs was there, OMD, Belinda Carlisle. And I had like tenth row tickets. Yeah. And and it was so much better when I would close my eyes and listen to the music. It would like take me back to the eighties. Yeah. But if if you get an up close look at Butler and the Psych Furs nowadays, right. they they literally look like skeletons. Well, they're pretty old. Right. Music. Yes. Imagine. But, but they sound great. Yeah. The music sounds great still. So I suggest if you're going to see the psych furs whenever this pandemic thing ends, just close your eyes. I, I think they pretty regularly play a gig at the Orange County Fair, which I often attend, although it's canceled this year or was. Uh, OK. Anything else to add either of you? Oh, how about the fact that it ends with he he steals the girl during a food fight? <laughs> what? Right, I hate food fights. Yes, food fight. Yeah, what? at the prom. Right. What's going on? Yeah, that was that was very much a staple. Food fights. I feel like every third '80s movie had a food fight in it, and and the prom was always involved. And I really, um, I feel like the dad was like sending the daughter off to lose her virginity at the prom. Like, did you, did, uh, wanted I wanted it was, to happen. Yeah. Really that was weird. That was weird. That was a, that and, was a whole weird thing. And to Ed's point, I mean, the, there was a flaw in the, um, the flaw in the plot in the writing was she made the wrong choice. She chose the superficial, uh, popularity over him, which was the wrong choice morally. Totally. And the only reason she, uh, she changed course was because he went and stole her at the prom and took, food fight. took right. the limo that her boyfriend paid for back to the hotel that her boyfriend paid for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, She's terrible. That's how the movie ends. Yeah. That's, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> uh, okay. J Jason Stewart, explain something to me. I've got the, um, you're the resident sports expert. I'm watching the, Indians Yankees play right now. And the first thing I would like to say is that I'm very glad this person called Fran Mil Reyes 
doesn't want to sexually assault me because if he wanted to, he would be able to very easily because he's massive. Secondly, the second thing I thought about, they show in the corner the other playoff games that are coming up and it says the Marlins and the Cubs. Didn't the Marlins get COVID this year and play like 28 less games than everybody else? <laughs> they did. And, they and they're in the playoffs? Went like half the league made the playoffs. Still, you, you put in the team that didn't play nearly as many games got in the playoffs? There's... <laughs> Like, how about just get COVID for the whole season and play two series and win them both? And then you have the highest winning percentage and you go to the playoffs. What, what's happening here? Jason Stewart, can you explain? I think I, I had read where even with the COVID thing, which t- seemed to take like three weeks, no team played um, like if 60 games was the max, like no team played less than like 55 on the season. I think. Oh, so they made, made them up. Game. Yeah. With those seven inning oh. double. Oh, Right. Okay, that makes sense. See, and by the way, yep. I'm looking at the Indians game in Cleveland. No sign of Chief Wahoo and his massive teeth and bright red skin. It's Chief, Chief Chief Wahoo has thankfully been canceled. The only place you're going to see him anymore is in the movie Major League, which we reviewed recently on the show. Yep. Yeah. So. R.I.P. Chief Wahoo. It was time. Uh, okay, that's it for a daily for special guest Jason Stewart. My name is Brian Beckner. This has been episode 340 of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. We will see you next week. The lifestyle's baller podcast getting bigger and not smaller. Broadcasting weekly, that's what we do. With Easy Ed Daily and a man, Jay Stew and Brian Beckner, quick to dissect the week in sports and culture and whatever. And others, my brothers, reviewing some movies and shows and others. Top podcast, man, no one is above us. Five star, even the haters will love us. And we're not trying to talk politics a lot. We'd much rather talk about dicks a lot. Shit's so hot, man, you know the shit's on top. Top podcast, man, it really hits the spot. Listen up, you players and shot callers. TBLS, the lifestyle's baller. And you know the show is so flawless. TBLS, the lifestyle's baller. Listen up, you players and shot callers.